0: Nation. What's going on? Welcome back into the Buffs Nation Podcast. Getting one week closer to the start of the regular season. I just can't wait. Buffs Football almost back. I'm Tyler Walgie. As always, Jared
1: all to my right, producer Ryan working the sounds. Jared, how you doing? I feel good, you're right. The excitement is building, you know, you flip through social media and that's Pretty much all well, you're you don't seeing. Flip these through things.
0: social media. You're too old for that. You you actually scroll, you scroll through social media. You scroll. Yeah. I flip.
1: I'm a flipper. Well, you you're I'm a aggressive. newspaper kind of guy. I'm aggressive. Yeah,
0: you're old school. <laughs> but uh, today we're breaking down the offense. So uh, like you said, it's exciting. It's good to. Uh, it's just football season again. Whenever August hits, there's always that lull of a couple weeks because falls in the air, seasons are changing. But we got a couple weeks till the, till CU starts.
1: Okay, so, I want to yeah. bring this up though. College football training camp and like uh, the summer camp is so much better than the NFL all you get in the NFL is garbage information that comes out about the quarterback battles and this <laughs> I mean you get like legitimate good tidbits coming out of college football yeah, absolutely we're stuff. not going to talk quarterback battles today no way <laughs> yeah. well so. there is uh, some other team in Colorado I think that, you may that, have that picked a... the wrong example because there's a huge quarterback battle <laughs> well, going on I, right but now no but Contracts, I know you know what I'm talking about and with the broadcast out. you know what I'm talking about yeah, the Broncos. That's, yeah. that's all you ever hear
0: from anyone well, is the quarterback battle and i don't know if it's just me but the denver broncos every year it's like okay i mean they're in the afc west it's gonna be a long season the buffs i don't know again i don't know if it's just me big buffs fan obviously but every year, every off season, I'm excited for something new. Is it the nature of the team? The young? I don't know what it is, but every year I have this I think renewed it's the Pac-12 sense conference. of. <laughs> I that's you always a, got a chance in the Pac-12 right? conference. You it's, never know. It's always a renewed sense of hope every single year. But uh, producer Ryan, how are we doing this week? Good, Tyler. How are you? Not too bad. Like I said, we're about to break down some CU Buffs offense and. Really, things are looking up right now for the Buffs. So they lost a couple starters last year, a couple big names, but based on who CU has to replace and the new guys are bringing in on offense, I think that really, I'm, I'm. I, I'm excited for what could happen. You know there there may be reasons for pessimism because of the age, maybe some skill guys, things like that. So what we're gonna do on today's show, go position by position. We'll start off of of course, with the quarterback battle and then work our way down. We'll talk some running backs receivers, and of course, offensive line. Today, All offense on the Buffs Nation podcast. Let's start with the quarterback battle. This is the biggest story right now. Um, And I think deservingly so. You know, quarterback is one of the most important positions. Whoever earns this job, they're going to have a lot on their shoulders. Both quarterbacks young. Brendan Lewis, a uh, freshman who's been in Colorado for a couple years. And JT Shrout, transfer from Tennessee. uh, He's a sophomore. So whoever gets the nod, they're going to be... Unless they get pulled or
1: something happens, they're likely to be running the show for the next couple of years. And not just young, but inexperienced. Neither guy really has spent much time on the field. Obviously, we got a chance to see Brendan Lewis in very, very few snaps last year, basically only in the bowl game. And
0: that's when uh, he came in later in the game. You know, things had kind of tapered off by that point. So it's not like he was playing, you know, it's not like it was tied in the fourth quarter and he came in. It was different circumstances. However, J.T. Shrout, not a whole lot of experience himself. As I said, though, he came from Tennessee. Now, for those who haven't been paying attention to SEC football, uh, is it Josh Heupel or Josh Hypel for Tennessee? their Heupel, he, Heupel. Their head coach. Josh Hypel their head coach, uh, not doing things the right way, I think is a nice way to put it. <laughs> they were caught giving potential recruits money in McDonald's bags, like cash, just handing cash out. And so there was a huge deal, you know, obviously uh, NCAA got involved. They're going to probably, you know, nail him here with some sanctions coming up soon. But either way, the main point is Tennessee lost a lot of talent and they just dispersed all across the country. Well, the Buffs were lucky enough to get quarterback JT Shroud. He had one start at Tennessee, eight appearances, and you know what? He didn't look bad when he got in. Now, the numbers are quite pedestrian. I don't have him in front of me. I can pull it up. He's around 50% completion, maybe a bit above. Four touchdowns, three interceptions, but he played some good competition. He uh, I think he had two touchdowns against Florida. He played, I think, in the Auburn game. So while J.T. Shroud didn't start for Tennessee, maybe doesn't have a lot of experience. The experience he does have is against very, very good teams in high pressure situa- higher pressure situations than Brendan Lewis. So it comes down to who are you comfortable with? Because for me, I want to be very clear about this. I trust the coaching staff. You know, they're, they're seeing every day. They're there every day. They see who's in first, who's out last, who's working the hardest, who's doing best in practice. I trust them to make the decision. So for the first time in a long time, CU has a quarterback battle, I'm okay with whoever they choose. If it's JT Shroud, if it's Brendan Lewis, I'm not going to be like, oh, damn, it's it's him. I'm okay with either decision here. What do you think? It's,
1: you know, honestly, my my gut tells me I want to see Brendan Lewis uh, as a fan. I think that he brings another element, that the, the speed, the running ability. So, I want to see that as a fan, but I, I'm in your boat there that I think whatever the coaches, if JT Shrout really shows out through camp here and, and proves, I think it really comes down to the leadership aspect. You look back over the last two or three quarterbacks that the Buffs have had start for them, You know, going back to Lufau, You know, talking about Steven Montez, and, and then last year with Sam Neuer, I mean, leadership just was kind of the, the, the name of what you... But, you know, but,
0: but those quarterbacks happen to be leaders. I mean, here it's more about knowing the playbook. In my
1: opinion, it's more about the playbook. And see, and I, I disagree because I think both guys are going to be a little raw. I, I think you're no matter who you put in there because of the lack of experience, the lack of time around, you know, being on the field. It really comes down to who can step up and be that leader for a young offense that really. Does not have that leader. You know, may, maybe, you know, you look at, uh, you know, some of the guys in the running back room that have a little more experience there. Maybe you're looking at a Brady Russell with some leadership. But beyond that, I think you really need, and and that's where a guy like JT Shrout maybe can come in. He's been here all spring, so maybe he can be a guy that can prove, you know what, he is the leader they need, even if maybe he's not the better athlete of the two.
0: Okay, so leader, maybe I was, oh, 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 you know, kind of breezing past that a little bit. That's important, obviously especially with these young receivers that we'll get to, young running backs that we'll get to. I understand that. You want to have a a coach on the field. And the Buffs have had that the last, you know, couple quarterback uh, rotations, as you said. uh, Sefa Lufau, Montez last couple years. So certainly that's something you want. But I heard in in a press conference last week, you know, J.T. Shroud still saying one of his main hurdles is understanding the playbook, is learning the playbook. So... And this goes down to, we don't know, probably because the coaches don't want the public to know to keep everything, you know, hidden away. So to me, the main question is how much of the playbook does JT Shrout know right now? You know, has he understood, has he accepted what they do? Uh, He was asked actually, you know, what's the biggest difference between Tennessee's offense and and CU? He said, look at Tennessee, we ran, 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 ran. When we had to, we threw the ball here in Colorado. They run so many multiple sets. So you know, it's it is more of a, I would say, complex offense for a quarterback. But I do think that how much he's learned the offense does play a part. Now, I, I think that, I mean, raise your hand on the room if you think Darren Schiverini in, in this offense wants the quarterback to run the football. And for those not here, or what? Wait, I'm my, I thought all three of you would raise your hands
1: uh, again. This I don't, is great
0: for radio, by the way. podcast. Yeah. So, so I, just so you guys know, I'm the only one with my hand up here.
1: You guys don't think it's integral that CU runs the football with what, their quarterback? What about what you've seen from Cheverini as a coordinator, as a play caller? Makes you think he wants the quarterback running uh, the ball? Last year there was 1,200 yeah, rushing yards and 1,200 1, passing was yards. Playing quarterback for the it doesn't matter year. if you look back it to Sepe
0: Lufau, Steven Montez. Every every season dating back to what Cody Hawk Hawkins? These but quarterbacks at, have been asked to look run at the Steven football. Steven
1: Montez and his trajectory as a starter, ran the ball less, year over year, because I think that was his because raw the dude instinct. the was fragile. The raw he instinct hurt. was to run. They wanted him to play a, be a pocket passer.
0: Dude, Montez was advertised as athletic, and the more he played, the less he ran because he was fragile. Like, I love Montez, by the way. Uh, second leading passer in CU history by 50 yards. You know that? Did not he almost that. had Sefo's record by 50. It was like 53 yards. But Montez was advertised as big, athletic, and run the football but then he just got banged up and you guys remember seeing him get hit. I mean, he would get up and... He, he did not understand would, how to avoid
1: contact. No,
0: it seemed like he'd kind of slump his way back to the huddles. Well, like, I, I kind of want to ask you like, it's
2: kind of like the chicken and the egg scenario. Was he fragile because he was just fragile or was he fragile because they ran him so much? Well,
0: I, I, that doesn't matter but the Point is they ran him right, and so my point, oh yeah they did. So so you look back last year, how how often the quarterback ran the ball here? Let's see here, rushing the ball. Sam Neuer second on the team in rushes, second on the team in yards, second on the team in touchdowns. That's not a formula. What you what, what, what you know for a healthy quarterback? So I get that, but this is something. I hate to go here, but you guys have played Madden, <laughs> you guys have played NCAA. Sometimes it's easier on on, on third and two to call that. Misdirection play to to call that sprint with the quarterback. And this is college, you know. Sometimes your quarterback puts his neck out there and does run. He's forced to do those things. And with CU in these games where it's going to be tight and improved Pac twelve, there's going to be a lot of close opportunities like that where you're going to have to have the run, the quarterback running the football, whether it's extending the play, a designed run, whatever. So I look back to last year, last couple of seasons, unless Darren Shiverini and this offense completely shift the way they call plays, whoever's quarterback is going to have to run a little bit. I mean, at least a little.
1: And I, I, I will build off of that. I'm not saying they won't run. I, I I think it's it's, it's less of that they won't run. I don't know that they necessarily want them to run. The inevitability is they're going to be running, and I think part of that comes from the focus from defenses is going to be shutting down the running back group. I think that's probably the strongest, deepest group for the Buffs, especially on a national level, because Jarek Broussard got so much attention last year that teams, especially early in the year, are going to be focused on shutting him down. Well, what's the best way to keep a defense honest is you have a few misdirection plays a few times where you do that RPO and the quarterback pulls that ball no, and, and I'm he's okay with that him. but, but the, this
0: whole RPO thing it goes back to what you want the offense to look like and I thought you were going to go there for a second play action but then we're getting to Mike Shanahan's you know 1998 offense so it is really interesting because I don't know how great a Play action, quarterback Brendan Lewis is. JT Trout's done it a lot in Tennessee. So based on how they see the, it's just interesting, right? How? When's the last time we had a quarterback battle like this, where both guys had so many great qualities and great traits? And I don't know I'm enough okay about that. Trout to know how good of a runner he is. Uh, let Let me put it this way: He's got 11 at rushing attempts in his career for eight yards. had a boy, yeah. nah, 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 that sounds numbers. like something my <laughs> stat line would be <laughs> right there. Yeah, and those over over the course of two seasons. So. Yeah. Not great,
1: <laughs> you know, and, and maybe that will be a tell if, if, if and when you see them make a decision. Which, which, for the record, I absolutely expect this decision to not be announced until a couple of days before. And that's who who ends up as a starting quarterback. I, I think they take that all the way up to that first game. Why give anyone any indication prior to? Well, but.
0: Because it's UNC, the Bears. (laughs) It doesn't matter if it's the Bears. At the same time, these schools don't have any tape on either one of these guys. Right. So so I think that Jared's right. It's going to be closer and closer to the first game. You do want to keep this secret as long as you can. But at the same time, here's what I think happens. I think they announce it to the team. I think they say, okay, guys, behind closed doors, we're going to go with whoever it is. And then he's probably going to get the first team reps. But they're going to wait and make it public later on for that very reason. Um, But again, I'm I'm okay with whoever they go. I think what they do just some prediction time right here. I believe Brendan Lewis will be the starter um, for no other reason than he does give them that other ability to run the football. And I think that's a vital part of the quarterback position in 2021. The whole thing is can he throw the football? Like how accurate can he be? And will that detract from his athleticism? I don't think it will. I trust him and we've seen him in action. So I think he gets the nod. What do you think?
1: I'm gonna agree and disagree with you, and I'm gonna say something that I know, Tyler, that you're gonna hate. Oh boy. I think they run both quarterbacks. No, I, definitely I think I hate that. I think, I think the they I think they go thing. out starting this year. I think you're going to see I, – I, I'm re- remembering Tim Tebow. When Tim Tebow was, was a, a freshman at uh, Florida, and I'm slipping on uh, who the quarterback was at the time, but they I utilized him in that, that way. Th- I th- th- Chris Leak. Chris Leak, you're right. Yes. It was Chris Leak. And they utilized him in a similar way where I think you'll see one edge out the other, and, and – I. Right now, in my mind, it's too early to tell when it comes to that. Uh, just because you don't have that kind of veteran in the room that you could say, okay, we'll lean on that guy, and then Lewis will get his touches, or, or Shroud will get his touches. So I actually think at least through non-conference play, you're you're absolutely going to see a split in time. I, I'm there with you. I don't want that. I don't want that. I'd, I'd rather see you now. If you want to strategically utilize a guy in situations or in formations, let's just throw out a scenario where J.T. Shroud ends up as your starting quarterback. I don't think it's the worst idea to have a package that you bring out Brandon Lewis. Maybe he's not even lined up at quarterback. Maybe he's split out at receiver. Maybe he's in the backfield. But ways to creatively utilize him, now that should not be a 50-50 split. You should have a starter, and then if you want to utilize a guy in a package for his dynamic skill set, I can understand that. But I really do think early on the first two or three games, at least through AM, you're going to see both guys pretty even. No, I
0: mean, why not? It's a leadership a leadership position. That's why we have two presidents, and that's why most companies
1: have two CEOs. You've got to have two, two people to go I'm to. I'm not arguing that I agree with it. I just think that's what we're going to see. Be, I I would not like that at all. I, I think a couple of reasons. It's not just about the talent, but it's about keeping a guy like Brandon Lewis, one of your top recruits, around. Uh, happy, keeping making sure he wants to be a part yeah, that's of That's the main he's thing, and you brought
0: that up last week. It's the whole balancing act of, is someone going to transfer? And let's okay. not forget J.T. Shroud. He just transferred from Tennessee. It's not like he's not known to do this. So that's really important, and we in today's football, where there's transfers, 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 it's like free agency. That is part of it, but I, does that mean that they're both going to be happy and thrilled? and Or do you want to make a decision for that reason? I mean, I understand too, Jared, if they, you have a Brennan Lewis package, but I think you've got to make a decision
1: and go with it. I mean, y- and you- and who's to say you can't, Change that decision. You get three or four games in and go, you know what? It's just not working with this guy. You can make the move to the other, and I think that's the, the well, and that, smarter And that depends play. on what the
0: expectations for this year should be because CU's got Texas A&M game number two, Minnesota game number three, open up on the road at Arizona State game number four. There's no time to see what's going on. There's no time to say, let's let this happen. Let's let this breathe. Guys, the second game of the of the season, we have a, a top-seven team coming to Denver to play like they have to the buffs have to be ready to play their best football that they can at that point so this whole mixing things up no I believe what you got to do make a decision earlier actually for the team go and just go and and you say we're going to go with let's say it's Brendan Lewis and you don't caveat it you don't say until he makes a mistake until you say Brendan's our guy and halfway through the season if he's got 10 picks 15 interceptions not getting the job done okay make the switch but right now for the team you, know, you you guys played. You know, you understand how it is. It's different when when you know what's going on, or when you don't. I mean, they're human beings. They understand the right. temperature in the room.
2: And I think uh, I, I think you uh, mentioned a, you had a good point um, when you said they'll mention they'll name the starter to the team first. And I think it's so important for whoever that guy is going to be that they get continuity with, you know, the first team guys. Um, and that's why I do believe my prediction is Brendan Lewis um, also, again, continuity because he's been in the system already. And, um, you know, he's not switching over from, from a completely different program. So. And that is a part of it. Yeah.
0: Okay. Um, well, Jared, do you have anything to say before we move on from the quarterbacks? Well,
1: you mentioned the polls, and I believe the uh, coaches' poll, the preseason coaches' poll, just came out. I don't know. Do you guys know where a And M ranks in that preseason poll? I'm, I saw them I as high as six. I thought they were seventh. Okay, I'm 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 trying to look it up now, but uh, the the wooze media internet here seems to be. Uh, struggling is there struggling. your computer it Let's could see. be it could be it's a very old i'll, I'll get uh,
2: i'll get it on the line hold on
1: <laughs> okay six they are six a and m they come in at six on the coaches poll obviously there's the the ap poll as well and then you have the coaches poll but still this i is mean the coaches poll. they're a top 10 team
0: like they are a very good team they're a, a, in contention to win the sec you know so and I, that would put them third in the SEC behind Alabama and Georgia. Sixth in the country, third in their conference. It's hysterical. <laughs> but, uh, now I look, I, I, I believe firmly that if you're going to beat A&M, and there's no reason in the world why we should count that out already. You know, we've seen things happen. We've seen teams come to Denver or Boulder and lose. I'm not giving up on that game yet. CU shows up to play some good football. We can beat a but you got to have the quarterback situation figured out before then. Uh, let's move on to the running backs because Jared was right. No matter who's playing quarterback, the opposing defense will be worried about CU's running back situation. And we'll start off with Jared Broussard because he's getting all the national uh, notoriety, as he should. Look at what he did last year, just shy of 1,000 uh, yards in that uh, – very short season. He did it on 156 attempts. He had five touchdowns, average just under six yards a carry. Uh, Jerick Broussard, what was your impression last year as he was finishing the season, and you know he's going to be in Colorado for a couple more years.
1: I mean, the explosiveness that you saw from Jarek Broussard was just unreal, and, and I think that's something, even with a guy like Alex Fontenot, who who was their lead guy a year before, I just don't think he has that same element that, that Broussard has. I think you can go inside, you can go outside. He really, to me, is a an all-around dynamic back he has to be your lead back, in my opinion.
0: Jared Broussard, I, I I don't doubt that at all. He should be the number one back. I don't think that's a question. No one listening right now is probably saying, nah, you, you put him number two. Um, he's strong. He's physical. You know, he's quick. So he's got the whole package. You think he worked on his pass catching at all? Remember last year, he had nine total catches on the year for 21 yards. They've got to get him involved in the backfield if they want to maximize his dangerous potential. So
1: I think he's worked on that a little bit. I don't know passes. how much that was really an issue for him or if it was just less, you know, str- uh, well, you're strategically right. It's not approached. like it was nine receptions like on dropping, 20 attempts. Yeah, right. dropping yeah. the ball. Now, I do seem to remember towards the end of the year when they were struggling to find ways to get him the ball because everyone was really keying on Broussard that there was some opportunities there that were, were missed whether be it by uh, Sam Noyer missing the throw or, or Broussard not, you know, not catching the pass on the swing passes, some of these screens, things like that so I think that's an element that he needs to add. Again, I'm not saying that was a weak spot for him last year but in order to be the all-around back to be an NFL type talent, you've got to prove that you can do that and he's got the speed to do it so i think it's important that he adds that to his uh,
2: repertoire well when you're averaging almost 6 yards a carry you're not in many positions to need to throw him the ball but yeah. um, you know 5.7 yards yards per carry i mean you're you're in the uh, in the green as far as uh, you know down and distance goes so i don't know how much of a of a necessity it was but but like you said is is um, the, the lack of attempts to him I I don't find it as,
0: as a huge issue. Do you yeah,
1: guys think there's any possibility he gets anywhere close to that yards per attempt this year, or is that a little bit of a fluke last year?
0: Nah, who knows? You break off a couple eighty yard dingers, you know that suddenly <laughs> ramps that average up. So I don't see why not. I mean, I, he's I, got, I, you you combine his ability with the line, which we'll talk about soon. I don't see why not.
1: I do think you're gonna see that number drop. I, I think a few. Big games early and uh, some big plays really I think led to that. You add in four or five extra games, some additional carries. I think you're going to see that number drop. But I mean, six yards a carry is unreal. <laughs> if you're yeah. getting six yards of carry, you just hand on the ball every time and you got a touchdown at the end of every drive. Yeah. Well, I,
2: th- I think we'll see something pretty similar. Um, just because he's not the he's not going to have what's going to be asked of him this year is not going to be the same. That's a good point. Um, that was asked of him last year because we have. Three Several. other guys yeah, that, can, that can tote the rock, so exactly. yeah, I, th-
0: I think it'll be pretty comparable. But Broussard is on national watch lists, all American lists, and he is first team, all Pac 12 preseason at the running back position. But he's uh, the running, he's not the only running back that is going to see this year. And Jared mentioned Alex Fontenot. Now, remember, CU fans, Fontenot didn't play last year, he played two years ago, and in my opinion, did. Great. He, uh, I was excited to see what he, he could do last year. And then remind me, what was it? Off the field issues? No, Did we it was never a, know? A
1: hip. It was a hip okay. injury that he was nursing all oh, the year. Right. And I think really the reality was, I think he could have been available last year. Yeah, he probably could have played. But. Uh, Broussard was playing so well. Right. You had a shortened season to begin with. And I think the idea is let's keep let's get him fresh and healthy. And and you know, you've seen it with, with guys in the past. Hips is a hard injury when it comes to football. I mean, especially in the running back position, there's a lot of bending, a lot of, you know, movement and the lateral movement and that all really focuses on the hips, just like with your knees is very important too. So that that is one that concerns me. And I will I will say I will believe it when I see it that he's back to a hundred percent because it's been so long though. Yeah, but if you have any sort of arthritic issue, it's just like mm. with the knee, man. That that's hard to play at your top level as a running back. Maybe he's fine health-wise to walk around day-to-day, but can he play at an elite level in the co- in college football? I think that remains to be seen. I think it would be smart for the Buffs to limit his touches a little bit earlier, get him kind of worked back into this roster.
0: Well, the depth at running back will allow that to happen. We already mentioned Broussard. Probably not going to get the load he got last year. Same thing with Fontenot. You're not going to want to give him a whole bunch of carries early either. And before we move off Fontenot, I, I just want to Reiterate, I'm super excited to see this kid. You know, he is going to be a great one B. I'm not even calling call him a number two. He's the one B on this team if he's healthy. You're right, Jerry. I'm
1: really excited for both of those guys. What will that do for Broussard for Fontenot? Because if you remember, Fontenot two years ago was the back. It was exactly. pretty much him, and, his. And, and so neither guy has really ever had that one-two punch guy to be out there with him. So you, you think
0: we see him on the field at the same time? Some some uh, why two not? running back slots, you know?
1: And and Fontenot, you mentioned Richard not mode. being a great receiver. <laughs> Fontenot is a very good receiver out of the backfield. I don't know if his numbers from two thousand nineteen reflect that, but, but he but made some d- great plays. What out you of the don't
0: want is every time Fontenot comes in, defense goes, pass, pass, pass. Sure, pass. sure. Every time Broussard comes in, run, run, run. So you got to keep them on their toes a little bit. But uh, Alex Fontenot it's going to be so exciting to see him back this year. Third string, Ashad Clayton, the six foot two hundred freshman. We saw him a little bit last year. He's going to be exciting to uh, get those carries. And do you think it's going to be Ashad Clayton or Joe West getting those carries? Joe Davis. Joe Davis, excuse me. I've been watching uh, uh, baseball YouTubes, and I think Joe West is an umpire really bad. Yeah, one he is. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah, it's, if, uh, if
1: people know your name as an umpire, that's not, not a, good a good thing. thing. <laughs> <laughs> all
0: right. But
1: uh, Joe Davis or a Sean Clayton. Uh, do you have
0: a real preference there for the shot Clayton? Uh, yeah, 100%. A Shad and, Clayton.
1: And, and hey, no disrespect to Joe Davis, but I just think these three backs are on a different level. If you want my honest opinion when their careers are all said and done, I think a Shad Clayton is the best of the three Uh between really? No yeah. between Broussard. I, I think I a Shad Clayton. He's a bigger guy He's more physical. I think between the tackles, he is your best option.
2: Yeah, I, I just, I'm really excited for Rashad Clayton. I think he's probably going to be – he's my preseason pick for most uh, improved player or okay. you know, kind of like a dark horse yeah. in the room. Um, you know, went through some, uh, some mental issues being away from home last year. Um, did get a couple of uh, touchdowns in that Arizona game. Looked really good. Um, but, yeah, looks like he's in a good spot now, and
0: uh, I'm excited for the season he's going to have. So the depth at running back is, is so exciting, and that's something we can all uh, get, uh, get, get on board with. But, you know, looking at the reality of how football works, there's probably going to be some injuries. So the fact that CU does have so many guys who can contribute – and look, we just named the top four. We're not going to go, you know – Seven deep, every position. Do you guys have anyone else you want to add? Anything like that, or can we move yeah, on? Yeah, so
2: I have one guy. I've been seeing reports um, out of out of uh, training camp on him. His name's Jail Stacks. He's a true freshman. Um, he's built like a fullback. He's five eleven. He 200, stacked. Stacks stacked. It's such a good running back name too. <laughs> right. Well, and what, what's he weighing in at? He's 5'11", 230 pounds. <laughs> so <Yeah>. so he's, <laughs> he's built. That's like, old school, oh, yeah. man. <laughs> oh, he's, yeah. he's built like a fullback, but he runs like a running back. And the things that I've seen out of camp is they're they're using. Using him in multiple positions so I don't know like as, as far as being lined up on the field so I think he's getting some time at fullback he's getting some tailback and you know what if you you line up in a in a two-back uh formation and they don't know who you're going to give the ball to traditionally it's a bad idea to you know give the ball to the fullback because you know it's three yards in right. a cloud of dust um but with a guy who's as athletic as uh stacks is
0: you know who knows kind of keeps the uh the defenses guessing Built like a Jeep, runs like a Maserati. <laughs> All right, let's get on to the receivers. Now, here's my main concern with CU's offense. It's the lack of experience slash uh, young receivers, okay? I was ready this year to have Katie Nixon leading the receiver core and then these younger guys filling in as needed. Well, uh, for those who missed last week's podcast, we discussed this a little bit. Katie Nixon transferring to USC. So Colorado will see him this year. But that leaves CU... With three young starters, or at least as we have them right now. Dimitri Stanley, sophomore. Levante Chenault, retro freshman. Brendan Rice, freshman. So, and, and let's also clarify that last year there was eligibility. You had a free year of eligibility. So, so if you say, Dimitri wait a minute, Stanley, they played last year. they yeah. That's why. So. Well,
1: Dimitri Stanley was a significant contributor each of the last two years. Now, he's only a sophomore, but this is a guy with... Tons of playing experience. Not your average one of the, Yeah, one of the most veteran guys. Even a, a guy like Vontae Chenault with the new redshirt rules has two years of experience under his belt getting on the field, limited experience, but he's been out there. I am actually way more excited and encouraged by this group, I think, Tyler, than you are. I look at the depth on this in the, in the wide receiver position – Almost at the level of the running back position. Wow. I really, I mean, with really all the sophomores and freshmen. Brandon Rice is a superstar. That guy is going to be a legitimate number one receiver by the time it's said and done this year. I think he is your star. Obviously, we saw Levante Chenault. We saw what his he's gotten his bloodlines with his brother Lavisca Chenault when he was here as well. I think by the time this season gets going, Demetrius Stanley is probably your third receiver, which is where he really belongs yep. in that slot position. Anyways, I think that's where he's most dynamic now after that I agree pretty much nobody has seen the field and, and I really do think because the buffs are going to be geared so much towards running first I don't know how much any of these young guys are going to get an opportunity to get on the field. But I don't
0: know if CU is going to be geared t- towards running first. You Obviously, think? they have the running backs to do so, but the other team is aware of that. you know. So I think that what happens is CU catches teams off guard, especially early in these games, maybe against a Minnesota. We're not going to see a whole lot against the Bears. But I think that you surprise them by throwing in... Uh, in you know, give them that first down throw. You know, give them that that uh, third and short deep pass. Give them things they won't necessarily be. And expecting. they do
1: have great speed at the receiver position, so you could do some quick screens. Everyone stuff on this that offense are, are, are good for a quarterback percentage completion percentage and get you good chunks early and down in distance. Everyone on this offense will
0: benefit from the depth at running back, and the receivers certainly won't be ignored by that. And like you said, Jared, when you talk depth for receiver. Just because we haven't seen these guys play doesn't mean they can't play. Just because we haven't seen JT Stroud, Brennan Lewis play a ton doesn't mean they can't. So Buffs fans, be careful. Let's not confuse we haven't seen them with they're not going to be very good. We don't know a lot of these receivers, but that doesn't mean a, a, a damn thing. And also... <laughs> CU has done such a good job recruiting receivers lately. I trust them. It's like, okay, I haven't heard of this guy. I haven't heard. I trust them. So whether there's injuries, they get in later. We see some four-receiver sets, a lot of them. So they're rotating. Whatever. I'm fine with it because I trust the program. I trust these receivers. And again, just because we haven't seen it doesn't mean it doesn't exist. Okay. Moving on. (laughs) Moving
1: on, folks. Uh, Tight end. Well, real quick, before I move off of that, Ryan, you, you kind of pegged Ashad Clayton as the dark horse running back to, to kind of be the guy that will surprise. Do you guys have anyone at the receiver position? I kind of listed the top three guys who I, I project to be the starters, which, again, is Brendan Rice, Dimitri Stanley, and Le- Levante Chenault. Anybody else you guys have pegged as that guy you think surprises, turns heads, maybe catches a, a little bit of attention on a national level this year?
0: I mean, I don't have any names that really jumped off. Like I said, I don't know what to expect from yeah. some of these other guys. And when I look at Stanley Chenault and Brennan Rice, I have similar expectations for all of them. I go deep, even two, three deep for the receiver position. I don't have a dark horse. I don't have, this is one guy I'm looking forward
1: to. I don't know. It could be any of I these was guys. just hoping just somebody would say the name Montana Lamonius Craig. I mean, that's <laughs> the best name on the roster. I yeah. hoped somebody was going to pull that one it out. Is, it it is, is a good
2: name. <laughs> By the way, do the the Chenaults have any more boys in their family that they want to send on?
1: Boulder. <laughs> no kidding. I don't care even some sisters. I don't care. Throw them out there. Let's do it.
0: <laughs> All right, uh, tight end position. Brady Russell injured last year. What game did he get hurt in? First one of yeah, the, the first game. First and he game. was
1: like 100 yards in that first game. Yeah. I mean, yeah. he put up a really nice game.
0: We yeah, hope that's an second. indication as to how he's going to look this year. And <laughs> I don't want to be so hyperbolic. It's all depth here, depth there, depth there. But once again,
1: it's a common thing, is. isn't it? A little bit it of a is. lack of experience. But we're in a top, we're in a point with this
0: program. Colorado football is not Alabama. Okay, we're in a point right now where we are in a really fast, exciting growth stage, and so this is what you see. You see depth that we haven't been used to for a long time in Boulder, and this is what it looks like to be the fan of a team that's killing it on the recruiting path, that's that's getting a, a transfers to come in. I mean, I'm just so happy with what they've done in C, with CU bringing the right guys in that the fact that we are saying, oh, depth of running back, depth of receiver, once and now tight end, depth of tight end, we're not being hyperbolic. We're not... Being false, they do have depth at tight end, and I'm really excited about it. So
2: well, it was so, in such recent history that um, you know the cupboards in Boulder were so bare, man. It's actually nice to be like, oh, we actually have extra guys at these positions. No well, and
1: correct me if I'm wrong, but Brady Russell started out as a walk on. I, think, I did. think so. And <laughs> yeah. and now you all did. of a sudden we're stacked above star with three or four guys that are three star, even I think possibly even depending on what, what sites you're looking at, four star recruits, young guys, you know, guys like Eric Olson, guys like Caleb Fourier that are going to really be pushing him for those plays and the, the, those catches throughout the season.
0: Yeah, he's uh he's definitely gonna be a big part of this offense. And last year the the magnifying glass was kind of on him no one knew who broussard was no one knew what this offense was going to do especially game one so everyone knew about brady russell or at least had an idea how good he could be now this year again with these three quick uh uh, receivers the depth at running back if brendan lewis is out there you've got to worry about that this just opens things up so tight end could be like that position where we're going
1: huh these guys have a whole bunch of stats couple games through the season and it, he was asked about that. Uh, Brady Russell was after the first day of camp when he was getting interviewed, and they, they asked, "Well, how do you feel about you know getting less reps through camp?" He goes, "It's actually kind of nice. It's not you know <laughs> I don't have to be out there every snap. I mean, you think it's August? It's ninety-five degrees out there, and he doesn't need every rep out there. Right. He's an experienced guy. He knows the playbook. So just to be able to get some of these young guys out there and give him some rest, still, again, coming back from injury, you got to kind of work yourself back in there." I look at Brady Russell as kind of the leader in the room, but also he's a little bit more of that kind of grizzly veteran type. He's not a great athlete, and that's not to say he does, he's not an athlete, but what you look at behind them is some receivers really with – Tight end bodies, right? And so I think I'm really excited to see some of these freshmen and see what they look like on the field. What kind of mismatch opportunities do you have? You talked about running out two line, uh, two running backs. What do you think about two and three tight end formations where you get the defense into uh, you know, an eight-man box, and now, boom, you got three tight ends going out on routes being guarded by linebackers? I think that's the
0: great thing about this roster is we can see all those different multiple sets. You can run heavy. You can spread it out. That's what's so great about this, and uh, I-, I think we will see that. They're seven deep. they got seven tight ends on the roster, and that's not counting... Uh, Eric Olson, who came in last year from Heritage.
1: So, and for the record, you talked about playing NCAA football for, for you know, on Hell Xbox yeah. or whatever. I, I don't think they allowed you to have seven tight ends.
0: <laughs> no, right. I don't
1: think so. I, you rules. had to like turn off the rule to exactly. allow that. Yeah. And uh,
0: <laughs> CU's got seven who are going to dress. As I said, if you count uh, the recruit from last year, eight tight ends on the roster. So, tight end, not a spot that CU's going to have to uh, worry about much. All right, the line, the big boys up front, the Buffet Busters. The big uglies. Exactly. Uh, bringing back some good names, you know? And, yeah. and and I saw the transfers that CU got, one from uh, Ohio State, I believe, one from Iowa. Yep. So okay, these guys should fit in nicely, but where are they going to go? No. And I think Max Ray will find a spot. But uh, just to go over the starting five, center is going to be Colby Purcell, uh, right guard Casey Roddick, right tackle Frank Phillip Jr., uh, left guard, Kari uh, Cooch, and then a uh, left tackle, Max Ray. Max Ray is the transfer from Ohio State. And for those who don't know, Max Ray's brother committed to Colorado last year, maybe two years ago, and I
1: think it was a medical leave... Uh, I, it, I think, p- if I'm not mistaken, he actually like officially stepped away from football. But it was... Me- Due to so, medical, yes. Yeah, so it, was, it, was it was medical. Mm-hmm,
0: yeah. yeah. And it could have been concussions because I do know the family, actually, they stopped playing high school football. Do you guys know this? No, I did not know that. So both Ray brothers, the one now on the team, Max Ray, and I, I forget his brother's name, but uh, um, either way, their parents had an issue with the high school coaching staff. I guess they weren't really paying much attention to concussions, things like that. So they stopped playing in high school. Uh, One recruit came to CU, decided, uh, you know, uh, because concussions or medical, uh, whatever it was, medical issues, you know, he stepped away. And now his brother, Max Ray, is uh, slotted to be the left tackle for CU. So some history there with the family. But overall, uh, I want to start off with the guys who are returning. Colby Purcell, Casey Roddick, uh, Kari Kooch, Kari Kooch, and... uh, uh, Frank Phillip. These are four guys who had time. Now let's also be be careful about this because last year I think I read CU only had two games where all five initial starting yeah. linemen were healthy. Sure. Mm-hmm. So last year through six games, it was a it was a you know musical chairs. So, yeah. I mean, you never knew who was going to be in, who was going to be out. Given the success that CU had, four and two, um, and obviously able to run the football. How much more, you know, does that does that get you ready for this season or make you excited about this season with a full, healthy line? Obviously, injuries will happen, but going into the season, you've got a really good
1: line on paper. Honestly, when I look at this offensive line, it's it's kind of the one position group where I'm like, I think it's set in stone. I I, I right now, I think you can you can call who the starting five are. You just list them out. I don't see anyone that's getting pushed off of that starting lineup. I don't and, and so now it's exactly what you said. Now you're hoping and praying for health for these guys to stay healthy because you look behind it. There's there is some some solid talent behind it. You got a guy like Kanan Ray that played a lot last year due to some of those injuries inside. You got a guy in Chance Lytle who had a nasty injury last year. I don't know where he's at health wise, but I, I think that was mid season. He he went down with a pretty nasty leg right. injury last. Year. so those are guys that got a lot of experience so it's Good that they're there. You you have guys. I think they're probably more guards than they are tackles, although I know Chance Lytle was, did come to see you as a tackle. So I like to see that. You have some depth, but I think what you're hoping for is that this starting five is your starting five week in and week out, and you don't have to play the shuffle game that you have played in the last few years. That has allowed, sure, these guys to get starting time, but now I think it's in, they're in a position. you got a guy like you know Colby Purcell. He's a three-year star he started two seasons at center. You know, uh, Frank Phillip has had a ton of experience already. So I'm really excited to see this line come together. And I think it's what will allow this running game to be the focal point of the offense, even if every defense in the Pac-12 is just keying on it every week. Did you mention uh, Chance Lytle? Yeah, yeah, he's the one that had the leg injury last uh, year.
0: Yeah, because I don't have him in my in my starting five here.
1: No, no, no. He'll he's a he's There's a he'll be a reserve uh, okay, guy. Okay, yeah. okay, okay. He's kind of a, he'll be kind of a swing guy. He can play pretty much any spot on. But I mean that's okay. Line.
0: It's not just injuries. It, it's substituting in and out. You know, yeah. you have a long drive. Those offensive linemen sometimes you know they need a breather. Uh, Max Ray, left tackle. He is the newcomer and the one who's going to be slotted to start at left tackle. Uh, let's his six seven three zero oh, eight. So, uh, you know, obviously last year was Sherman Williams, right? William Sherman. Don't call him Sherman Williams. And he ended up getting drafted. You guys remember? He went, it was Uh, late. He went to New England. New
1: England. You know, okay, I'm not a Patriots fan. Obviously, here in Denver, there's a little bit of a rivalry there. But. New England loves their CU Buffaloes. So over true. the years, yeah. they have drafted them. They have performed well in New England. I mean, a lot of draft picks perform well in New England when you have a good <laughs> a good organization. So I actually love that fit for him, and I wouldn't be surprised if in the next couple of years you see him as a starter in New England.
0: Well, I, I think that's you know exciting for Buffs fans. But when we lost him last year, I thought that was going to be a huge void yeah. in this line. So the fact that uh, you know these transfers, anytime came you in, get an
1: offensive lineman drafted. I mean, that's a huge hole to fill. So to have a guy like Max Ray... I mean, essentially, let's be honest, he fell in your lap. I know there's a recruiting process in getting him here once he entered the the transfer portal, but to have a guy of that caliber fall in your lap, that is a, uh, let's see, he's a sophomore, a redshirt sophomore. So he's a guy with three years of eligibility. I mean, that could be your anchor for many years to come.
0: And then uh, Noah Fenske, let's not forget him. He transferred from Iowa. I don't see him too high here on the depth chart, but uh, he's a redshirt freshman, and uh, he's got some pretty good size. Too, what position
1: do so. you see him listed at there? I see it left tackle. Left tackle. Okay. Every yeah, time boy. you say
0: his name, I always think you're going to say something inflammatory because it sounds like you're saying no offense. No offense, <laughs> right? Uh, no ofensky. Uh, I, I hear Fensky and I think of Pensky. You know Pensky, the, the moving company. Yeah. There's a great Seinfeld episode, huh? The Pensky file, uh, You got the Pensky file. But uh, line is certainly um, if you're going to have a, a team that wants to run the football and do things predicated on the run, you have to have a good line. So the fact that CU does have that, um, you know, it's again, this is what good programs do all the way around building, adding talent. Remember back in the day, CU would have a good recruiting class, and then it would be stagnant for a year, and then you'd hear about one or two recruits. Things have changed. This is a team that can compete in the Pac-12 South. We'll get our predictions as we get closer to the season, things like that, but this offense is ready, I believe, to hit the ground running as long as their quarterback is ready to do so. Everywhere on this offense seems to be ready. The running backs, the receivers, as young as they may be, they've got experience. This line, Give me a break. They're ready. Obviously, the tight ends are too. If whoever quarterbacks this team is ready to go week one or maybe week two against A&M, that's what we we should expect this offense to do great things. And I'm not just saying this as a season ticket holder, as a CU fan for a long time, this team should do great things as long as the quarterback shows up ready to go. Okay, you
1: got me thinking on something here. I know we were both just talking about earlier <laughs> that neither of us are a big proponent of splitting time at quarterback. Why not treat the UNC game as your preseason game? Because to go go half and half, go go give both of these t- guys an opportunity to do that. It's the continuity it's, it's, thing again for me. Like I, I I think
2: I mentioned last week, that that's one thing I didn't want them to do is to get up by a bunch of points and bring in the other
0: guy to mess sure. things up. You know. Yeah, and it's a confidence booster. Whoever right. you pick, if it's Brendan Lewis. You got a chance to go out, throw for three fifty, run for another hundred, score some touchdowns, get those statistics up, and then go into the A and M game with confidence. I don't care if it's false confidence because you just beat up a high school team. Do that, right? I'd rather have you do that than back and forth. You're quite, because here's what happens. You, I think we can all agree, UNC, and I'm an alumni. I'll admit, I went, I went to UNC. Uh, I, they're terrible. Like they, they they're awful this is not going to be close so whoever goes out there so what do you is gain going to put up?
1: what do you gain in whooping up on them if you get a chance to hit. have a look at both guys in live action how they command the huddle it's the pros and how cons they get the plays in and out it's the pros and cons
0: because what do you think the chances are that we do a two quarterback system let's say one quarterback it's the first and third the second gets the second and fourth or however they do it what are the odds one looks good and one looks bad They're not very high. I think there's very extremely high odds. They both look amazing. So you're just making it hard on the whole team and the quarterbacks and the fans. I don't like that at all. You know, I think there's more and I get what you're saying because there are pros to that. You get a live situation, you get game time, you know, film, you see how they really respond outside of a practice, but it's too valuable. You got 12 games, you got AM on deck. You got to get that momentum and that confidence going from, from week one.
1: And that really, we talked about this a bit last week when we looked through the schedule, that spot being the second game of the year against AM is so Tough, it, it, it completely alters how you approach the UNC game in my mind. Because again, if we're talking about UNC, then you build up, and and maybe it is even a Minnesota or some other equal caliber team, and then you got an AM, Maybe it is worth taking that first game. We call it preseason, essentially. <laughs> you throw in some different guys, you see what both guy looks like. But it's so hard. You have to be as buttoned up as you can from the very first snap against a M. And and i will be honest, I don't think it's the worst idea to give these guys, even if it's just through the first half, give them each a couple of possessions because you want both guys to be ready to go. I think you want them both to get a little bit of that experience. I think as long as you can figure out by the end of that UNC game, this is the direction we're going and now we're moving forward that way, I don't think it's the worst idea to have both guys get some time. And and again, hopefully you're in a situation where you're up big and, and either way, it's not going to matter.
0: Well, one thing's for sure. We will see what they do when they take the field. Maybe they're going to put a couple of quarterbacks out there. Maybe not. And look, we'll react based on what we see. But we've got a couple of weeks to go until then. So tune in next week. We're going to break down the entire defense on next week's podcast. Remember to like, subscribe, rate, review, do all that good stuff. Also, give us a follow on Twitter, at Buffs Podcast. We'll talk to you next week.